For this week, our charity shout-out is Islam Feeds Communities. IFC aims to alleviate hunger one month at a time. They purchase and provide groceries to food banks across Toronto on a monthly basis. They collect both e-transfer and PayPal donations, and their email will be in our description. You can also reach them on Instagram at ifcommunities. We'll end this with an ayah from Surah Al-Hadid, ayah 18. And they, the men who practice charity and the women who practice charity and they who have loaned a lot, a goodly loan. It will be multiplied for them and they will have a noble reward. Ramadan Mubarak and I hope you guys will stay safe. Assalamu alaikum everybody. Welcome to another Abwan episode of One or Three Dates, our Ramadan special. Today we have a special episode awaiting for you guys. I'm Hafsa, your host, and with me is... Sahra. Hey, and we have a special guest, Huda Amare. Hey Huda, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? Alhamdulillah. <laughs> so Huda is Sorry, a... I went fully out <laughs> It's okay, we all do it. It's a trick of the trade. But Huda here, Huda is very special for this episode because this episode today, we're talking about being healthy in Ramadan, food, nutrition, mm-hmm. um, exercise, coffee, all the above. And Huda is a licensed registered dietitian in Ontario. She aims to help reduce people's risk of developing chronic disease, teach people to both love and listen to their bodies. Her private practice is called called Amani Nutrition, which provides evidence-based, culturally sensitive dietetic care to clients in Ontario with an emphasis on racialized and underserviced populations. She offers sliding scale services and will not turn away any potential clients who she, who cannot afford care, which is phenomenal. Um, Huda has a website called amaninutrition.com uh, where you can access information about her services and you can also find meal plans and recipes that might help you get through Ramadan, inshallah. Thank you so much for joining us, Huda. No, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. You are a dietitian practicing in Canada, practicing on Ontario. Can you tell us a little bit more about how, how you became one? Because we don't really know a lot of supply dietitians, do we? Uh, yeah, that's it's the kicker, right? I, I remember before I went into this profession, I was told by people, like, you know, there aren't that many Somali dietitians in Ontario. And I was like, like, Ben Badana, I don't believe this. And so I went on the College of Dietitians of Ontario website and I was like being a bit of a creep and filtering people by like language which is really kind of me to assume that everyone who's Somali speaks Somali, but that's, that's beside the point. <laughs> and so I did that and I was like, yeah, but there's only one other Somali dietitian in Ontario and that's it. Like there's, no, there's nobody else. And so alhamdulillah, in a way, I'm very glad that I'm able to offer that service. Um, but with regards to what a dietitian is and how I went into it, I sort of started off in a bit of a different field. So out of high school, I was... I was told by my teachers and I was told by my guidance counselor that there aren't that many Muslim female doctors and that like because alhamdulillah like I had the the grades that would help me especially in biology and chemistry and stuff to get the prereqs to go into med school after undergrad I was like you know what like I guess that kind of makes sense I was really young impressionable and naive and so I was like okay hey yeah like everyone's telling me to do this I guess that makes sense so I went into both the worst and 
kind of a great program, which is called Biomed at UOttawa. I'm not sure if anyone's heard of that program, but it's it's what it says on the tin. Like all the courses that you take are essentially prereqs to get into med school. You're essentially screwed if you don't do med school afterwards. Like your options are really med school or um, some research or yeah. yeah. So like research or I know some people who kind of veered off the path and went into farm like pharmacy, but like. Yeah, I need like mm. that's it. I know a lot of people here that go into like like lab sciences, so hospital lab sciences, Ooh, that kind of thing. That's great, mashallah. Wow. Yeah, so most a lot of people here that study biomedical sciences specifically, they study in like medical labs and whatnot. Mashallah. They sorry, they work in medical labs and whatnot. Yeah. That's amazing, and that's a good way of them being able to utilize their research skills, right? Because by you're right, biomed also has that research component. And yeah, so for me, um, I I really thought I was on that med journey. And then by third year, I was I was working in a clinic in Ottawa as a physician's assistant. And I just had a bit of a traumatic breakthrough. But I was like, oof, I, I don't want to do this. What I can, I'm in third year. What am I going to do? Die? Like, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a lot for me. Um, but the point is, like, Allah, I ended up finishing it because Hoya didn't raise no quitter. And in kind of a stupid way, because if I had simply switched out into a different program, I wouldn't have wasted so much time. But Allah, I finished the degree. Uh, and then I didn't really want to apply to certain professional fields. Instead, I wanted to become a dietitian because I had always been really interested in healthy eating and how how mm-hmm. it goes into our bodies can really translate into like really positive effects, inshallah, on stopping people from developing disease, but also like decreasing the intensity of diseases as well. Like food can be a healing uh, property. Yeah. So alhamdulillah, like I was really lucky to to do a bachelor's in nutrition. I went out to Western in London, uh, gang gang, uh, and then I went. Then I went to uh, Halifax in Nova Scotia to do my masters in it. Alhamdulillah. So then coming back to Toronto um, and being able to do my rotations in like ICU and general medicine and things like that, like really helped me solidify that this is where I wanted to be. Alhamdulillah. So yeah. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, long journey, but cool journey, honestly, because <laughs> it's really it's really brave. Like honestly finishing a degree and then realizing this isn't for me and then changing because a lot of people do finish their bachelor's degree, master's degree, whatever it may be, and then realize when they get into the field that this isn't what they want to do, but they stick with it because they're like, this is, I'm, I've wasted money on this, or this is what I've prepared for, or, you know, there's, I don't know why, like, if you're in your 20s, you're still really young. Forget 20s, 30s, mm-hmm. 40s, 50s. It's a very odd culture that we have where it's not thought of like you can change or switch up your careers drastically at any point in your life. Why not? What's the big deal? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think Sahara can probably testify to this because I know you're in Scandinavia, but um, I, it's probably the same as out there as it is here. But the average adult switches careers like the statistic shook me. Apparently it's like two to three times. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can barely switch sides on the road without having a bit of a heart attack, you know, like and people are switching their careers three times. It's a bit it seems yeah. a bit much, but it's it's common. I feel like it's because the country itself allows it, you know, mm-hmm. and it also encourages it. University is free for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we don't have to pay anything. So and we have a lot of courses and stuff that people can do if they want to qualify to something. But I feel like it is the whole idea of like encouraging people to study and take their time because i know a lot of people who haven't been to uni and they're like late 20s or like you know you know you do what you want to do really but at the same time it might encourage a little laziness (laughs) i'm not gonna lie it might encourage people to like 
not do it or maybe even delay it, you know, and be even more confused too. Yeah, but it sounds like an easygoing life. It sounds like, you know, it's easy. It's less, boring. I mean, there, there's something about like the stress of making 17, 18 year olds decide what they want to do with the rest of their lives. Whereas if you're making that decision later in your 20s, once you've had some experience, you've done a bit of shadowing here or there. I mean, but let's not forget, like, not everybody is financially supported to live that kind of life, mm-hmm. you know? You still need money. Exactly. <laughs> but isn't it just because, like, parents or the culture, our culture itself kind of, like, wants you to have an education by 25? It's something that's, okay, that's the norm. Everybody has an education-ish, you know? I want to say the norm, but is being pushed on us like okay by 25 you're supposed to have your degree you're supposed to have a little one baby popping out somewhere you know somewhere you're supposed to (laughs) you're supposed to have a you're supposed to have a job you know like i feel like everything is very like time stamps you know i feel like our Mm -hmm, culture is like that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for sure and the best thing is even though our culture is like that and it's not just i don't think it's somali culture i think it's all like all cultures in general are are like kind of like this right now but you get to a point i think and, and i hope everybody gets to a point where you start to realize that you know age and time it's a friggin social construct like it's not real you're right <laughs> like it shouldn't it shouldn't stop you from doing what you need to do what you want to do you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but you know i thought it would be interesting to talk about how me and huda know each other <laughs> because it is so random the way like we got together just now um, so me and Huda went to elementary school together <laughs> back in the day in Ottawa. Like true fetuses. So we literally, true fetuses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Honestly, like, I think, what was it, from the fifth grade? Yeah, grade nine or grade eight. You bounced in grade, grade nine. Eight, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we were like neighbors. Like the other day we were talking and you were like, I was like, yo, I still know your phone number. Like, <laughs> and then I recited yours <laughs> back to you. I was like, yeah, it's yeah. 613 blank, 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 blank. <laughs> I know. It was so random. SubhanAllah. And like, like after um, I, my family left Ottawa, we lost touch mm-hmm. for like years. Mm-hmm. You can imagine. How many years? Oh, a decade. Friggin Over a decade, years. yeah. We haven't been in contact for 15 years. And then I guess you came across the podcast? I did, yeah. And I was like, I know that voice. Like, like <laughs> which is not, not, not in a negative way. Just like, in a, like, like uh, she, she has a distinctive voice for me because I've heard her voice before. And like, I don't know about you guys, but there's probably those childhood best friends of yours that you kind of still remember. And sometimes what's mm. affected and like you just like, I don't know, like you just go, oh, well, it seems like they've fallen off the face of the earth, whatever, going to move on with my day. But with her, it was just hilarious because I was like, OK, I have a means of contacting her. Why not? You know? So, yeah, subhanAllah. And I guess it helped that it was me and Umul because like it's it, it's kind of like an easy to easy to, you know, if it's Hafsa, there's a lot of Hafsas, but it's Hafsa and Umul Khair. <laughs> It makes it a bit easier to figure out which house it is. The mystery was solved, you know? Like, there was no need to, to bring exactly. Sherlock into it. It was like, okay, that's Hafsa. Uh, per, the Hafsa, period. <laughs> oh, my God. But no, it was so... I was actually, like, so shocking. Because I remember one of the other girls got the... Checked the email first. And she's like, Hafsa, this person says they know you. Like, who is this? And I read it. And I was like, oh, my God. Me and Omar were like, oh, my God. It's Hada. <laughs> I love it. So random. So random, wallahi. But um, yeah, no, it was really nice of you to reach out. And just in the nick of time, because we needed a dietitian for this episode. I'm so glad. See, use and abuse, use and abuse. That's the relationship. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, going jumping into the episode, Ramadan, man. Ramadan and food. I, I mean, 
I know it's Shahrul Quran and I know it's Shahrul family and all that stuff, but it's honestly Shahrul food. Yes, yeah. Because we are, it's an unhealthy relationship a lot of times. Mm, yeah. There's a lot of overeating, there's a lot of undereating, there's a lot of unhealthy eating, there's a lot of uh, attempt at healthy eating, realistically speaking. Do we follow through? Allah. <laughs> but um, what food should we be eating, Huda? Oh, wow. That's a big question. And, and, a, and a really, <laughs> it's, it's hard to answer. Only because, like, mm-hmm. we know what we should be eating, but if the application mm-hmm. is where it's a bit difficult and the wheels start to fall off the car, you know? So, like, so yeah. in general, what you should be having is a variety of foods. So, there are these things called macronutrients, which is a huge word, but it just basically means the, the, the head honchos and, like, the protein, the carbohydrates, and the healthy fats, right? You need those three mm-hmm. coming together to ensure that you're taking care of your body and you're giving it the nutrients that it needs. And a really quick and easy way of doing that, I know in the UK, you Brits have the Eat Well Guide or something. <laughs> Stop the you Brits, I'm disgusted. I, I, I'm sorry, like you've you've completely jumped ship. Halas, your loyalties have changed. But anyways, oh <laughs> in America, there's the Choose My Plate thing. And then in Canada, there's Canada's Food Guide. But it's always just focusing on like taking the complexities out of trying to think about what to eat and instead dividing your plate into making half of your plate like veggies and fruits, a quarter of it having some some sort of whole grain and then the other quarter being protein. And when I say that to people, people like either they just laugh at me like fully, like (laughs) in my face, or they'll be like, um, who can eat that many vegetables and fruits? Am I a rabbit? Like some people just cannot comprehend that kind of um, expectation. And I understand. So it's definitely something to work towards. It's during Ramadan though, that you kind of need to really push yourself to aim for that because it's way more important when you're fasting um, to have a balanced diet during the hours that you're not so that you're able to sustain your health and to like replenish everything that you've lost while you were fasting mm-hmm. so if you miss out on any of those macronutrients that i talked about earlier like the protein and the carbs and the fats and stuff it can have some negative consequences on your health that could look like having like really heavy headaches when you're fasting or being dizzy or feeling weak or losing muscle so yeah ramadan is one of those times where you have to pay attention to that as well and it's of course water too which is a whole other topic mm-hmm. but yeah like you said like it's difficult to imagine having a plate where it's literally a quart a quarter protein fine <laughs> Okay, we, we could do that. But a quarter a quarter of grains, that's really... And, and only half... Like, we know when, when you're Somali or anybody from the East... Okay, not the East. Far East Asians are better than us than, when it comes to this. But, like, your whole plate is Bidis. Yeah. And you have, like, a smattering of hidup. If you're lucky, you have, like, um, one... Um, bell peppers somewhere in the middle of that just for color you know one two onions yeah one two onions just to you know flavor that's that's my that's my veggies for the day but it's like it's really difficult but yeah it's definitely something we need to look into but water water is important how much should we be drinking realistically and i know it's different for everyone right <laughs> it's different for everyone exactly because it depends on like your sex your activity level and the weather and stuff but yeah water is really important we know that it's something that's talked about in the deen nayat and hadith and stuff like that so you should be aiming for anywhere between 8 to 12 cups a day i say this because mm-hmm. you're likely to like it's not as hard because you're likely to be getting fluid from other stuff so you're, you're not going to have to chug mm-hmm. that many cups of water most of the time people will have like soup they'll have some sort of maraq or they'll have other sources of fluid like fruits and things like that but yeah when you're fasting if you don't think you're going to be getting other sources of fluid 
at least get in the eight cups, which sounds um, like very difficult to do. But sort of to sit down with yourself and figure out what times during your non-fasting hours would work. So for some people, that means having two cups from the jump at Zuhur, having about a cup right when you break your fast, having two cups after a Tukat al-Maghrib, having an, a cup after Taraweeh and a cup before bed. Like For some people, that works. That sounds crazy, and I'm aware of that. <laughs> but, but you just have to sort of sit with yourself and be like, okay, like Haddadan, I don't drink water at all. Like I am a desert. So let me try to at least get some more cups as the days go by. And you'll start to see wonderful changes. Would you suggest people to get like a water bottle or like... That's what I was going to say. Encourage your drinking because sometimes, I'm not going to (laughs) lie, you kind of forget about it, you know? Just think about the little tea, the little coffee. (laughs) Do you think all your water is going to come for that qaro that you have right away fast? (laughs) So how do you... Like what type of ways do you think people can take? Like what type of... Like having a bottle or like maybe... I don't know. Have it more, have more soup. Maybe if people have a difficulty drinking a lot more water. I love that. No, that's that's actually really really smart. Definitely, like have your own water bottle, and that's something that we tell kids, and it works wonderfully with kids, but it also works with adults too. Like if you have your own water bottle and it's yours, and it's like a kind of a pretty water bottle, and you carry it around everywhere with you, this like you know the one, it, it is exactly. Bottle. Like I'm not gonna tell you what I tell kids, which is like put stickers on it, like like write your name on. I'm not gonna say that, but like there is the adult equivalent of going to Starbucks and getting like their bougie water bottles. You know, like Aisha Harun type of vibes. You know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so what I usually do is I do use a water bottle just to help me remember to drink that much water. So I'll just get like a massive uh, water bottle <laughs> and just fill it up. And it's going to rem- it's, it's literally just it sitting there. Is it staring at me? It doesn't need to be colored or anything, but it just helps me remember that's how much water I should drink in the day. I take I usually take it to work ah. because I don't drink I don't drink water at work. So I just get that massive bottle and I put it in the desk in front of me and then while I'm going about my day, I just remember to keep sipping it. Because if I have to go to the kitchen, pour my remember to pour myself a glass, da, da, you're always like, Oh, I'm busy, I'm this, I'm that, da, da, da. But like when you're um just sitting around doing nothing, you're on your laptop and you have a massive water bottle next to you, it's 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 more easily accessible. That's how I think about it. But I guess the stickers and the colorful <laughs> bottles will help too. <laughs> it can help, you know. And if you're into K-pop, which all Somali girls tend to be, I know I can get them K-pop stickers, you know. <laughs> like oh stuff like God. that might work. Um, but you yeah, get like, on your water bottle. Ooh, you stand Jimin too? <laughs> I Listen, oh I'm not a BTS God. fan. I was, ba- I was a big K-pop sick. fan back in the day. You know, a second generation K-pop fan. Same. Uh, much the generation, so. I know. But I agree. I Get some, one of these BTS members on your water bottle. <laughs> and probably will push you through. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Or do what Hafsa does and, like, put it on your desk and have it look at you and judge you. And yeah. so you start to think, okay, I need to be having some. But for some people, like, I'm one of these people. I, even if I do that, it probably won't work because I don't want to be using public bathrooms. To me, that's just like a chas. Like I can't, I can't. Just personally, my body won't let me. And so what I end up doing is I have most of my water intake. When I'm at home, I'm like, okay, perfect. I'm in my safe place. I can drink as much water as I need to and I can use my queen-sized bathroom and do what I gotta do, you know? Can you guzzle down a glass of water like that though? Like I have difficulty. Like I just have to take little sips. I can't sit down and guzzle a glass of water down um. and then just it, it I don't know it's just something about it grosses me out I can only take it in 
little sips, which is why the bottle thing works for me so well, you Mashallah. know? Because the idea of taking an open glass with me everywhere mm-hmm. is it doesn't work. <laughs> and that's good. So it seems like we've discussed how people can be different and some things work for other for some people and some things work for others, you know? So that's good. Alhamdulillah. Like as long you just have to know yourself, right? So Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. definitely. So you know, obviously, with Ramallah being around the corner, you know, you just know that is probably the most favorite month of all of us. You know, because <laughs> it's finally the time, aunties and uncles, uh, your mom, your sisters, your brothers, finally take the time to put some work on that food. You know, <laughs> you see the sabus that nobody have been making for the past twelve months. <laughs> so with that. Is there what is healthy, what is not healthy? A lot of people say sabuskasli the kabuha, you know, like you know. So what is your opinion about cultural food and and with it being healthy or not? That's a really good question. And I think it's just it's very interesting because we have to kind of ask ourselves why why this question's in our heads anyways, right? Because there's this misconception mm. that cultural foods and the foods in our cultures, and by ours, I mean like, you know, like non-Adan, like non-Western cultures, we have to ask ourselves, why do we have this inherent bias that our foods aren't that good for you or why they uh, might not be the best things to choose, right? And oftentimes it's because with Western cultures, they, they gravitate towards the few foods in our cuisines that are really buttery and really fried and are essentially like, quote unquote, really tasty. And that becomes their viewpoint about the foods that we eat, right? Which in reality, we will have like sambusa and bur and labani and stuff like that. We'll have it really just a minority of the time. Like no one, I shouldn't be saying no one because there's some people, mashallah, <laughs> they're having sambusa, but like for the, for the most part, <laughs> privilege, that's privilege right there. Exactly. But for the most part, like this isn't really what people are doing, right? And so it's important to understand that like your cultural foods I can be and often are really good additions to a balanced diet. Like think to yourself, okay, like there's, there's a lot of sabayid and kamis, right, that we eat. And oftentimes that's made with like whole wheat flour. There is fully digir and beans and lentils and stuff like that are really healthy. There's a lot of lean meat, there's chicken and stuff like that. So just um, almost like take pride or and understand that these foods are a really good addition to a balanced diet, especially during Ramadan. But in Ramadan, there's that funner stuff, right, and that you don't have to ditch the sambusa, the bur, the labania and stuff like that like you don't have to ditch them just keep it in moderation or like even try to healthify it and me saying the word healthify is like <laughs> blasphemous and i get it because there's a member of my family who shall remain nameless because i don't want to get a beat down after this podcast <laughs> but like she I, I can't even say it. I feel I feel like I'm gonna vomit. She bakes her sambusa. Like she doesn't. She doesn't. Oh I know. I oh. like listen, please. I can't. It's to me. It just doesn't sit well with my spirit. But for some people, <laughs> but for some people that works for them because they know like Yadi. I cannot just have a few sambusa. I need to have a lot of sambusa in order for me to yeah. do that. I need to be able to healthify it. And that's cool. Like you do you. But if you're like the rest of us, <laughs> and you want that full like flavor. Just don't go yeah. overboard. Just focus on eating the other stuff and then have your snacks afterwards, you know? Do you know what I've heard people of people doing with sambusa? Air frying it? Ooh. Yeah, air frying is so fine. Like when, yeah. 
air frying, but you have to have an air fryer. So that's annoying. But I, I spent my day yesterday literally looking at videos and trying to decide if I need to buy an air fryer or not. <laughs> because you can make every, you can make fried chicken in there. Mm. You can make sambusas. You can make um, fries, yeah. baked potato, like potatoes. Um, what, what was the other thing they did? They even made pastries and like bread. Fam. <laughs> right? Air frying is where it's at. I think I think I might have but to bite the bullet. Is like no, I'm not going to do it. Clean. I just feel like they're mad annoying to clean. If you're compared to like an instant Olahe. pot, you can kind of just wash it through. You can do it. But I don't know about the, the air fryer. I would say do some more research about that because... Yeah, to be honest, I can't, find, I can't imagine myself investing in something that I'm only going to use for like two weeks and then throw away. <laughs> but um, Sambusa's... I'm thinking about like baking sambusas. What if you if you use something like instead of um, regular dough, if you use like pastry dough yeah, instead, maybe pastry. that would work. It makes sense. Yeah, it might end up kind of being like more like a patty than a sambusa, but that just might work. Exactly. Random questions. I don't know since everybody's from different parts of the country, right? Somalia and stuff. Do you guys have machete right before like when you break your fast? You have like machete, right? I had to Google it. Machete is like Machete, a isn't that soup? No, oh, machete is porridge. it's like saran. You know the porridge and you cook down with milk and butter and sugar? Ah, okay, I'm <laughs> it's here. It's probably the most unhealthiest thing ever. My family, at least. My it family. depends on what you cook it with, Sahara. Um, it could be... No, Anna would be fine. But I mean, like, for instance, my mom makes it sometimes and it's not really that buttery when she makes it like you put it in like it has like the the porridge bits and it has a little bit of like bitties in there and like bitties? some a little bit of ground beef okay, wait so am i talking safe. about something different huh there's meat in it sometimes i get you meat? i know where is coming from i see what you're saying you're talking about it's like a it's a type of porridge that's made with yes, a particular type porridge. of grain it's like sorghum yeah and so you add buttermilk and ghee and sugar and stuff like that to it Godblesshawash.com. So, <laughs> so yeah i googled i it use and- rolled oats so my family use rolled oats mashallah and ano little cut and butter, ten out of ten. Is either that was is basically misha? Uh, we call it marak, you know, like lentils and stuff. The marak is ten out of ten. Yeah, we're coming to that. Do what do you guys? This is a very random question, but what do you guys break your fast with usually? Oh dear, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna let everyone else go first because I have a reputation on the line. So you go first. <laughs> Um, I break my fast with soup usually. So it's like usually a lentil soup almost always. Sometimes uh, it'll be like chicken soup or beef, goat, whatever kind of soup uh, with based with base uh, with a base of hidab or something. But almost always like even when um, if it's not lentil soup and it's like regular maraq, we always toss in like I don't know is this weird guys like a little bit of some oats and or some huh? base in there to kind of give it some protein. Yeah, Hoy always throws like a little bit of brown rice Mashallah. in it. Or like a little some oats in there, and then when you, it's not just like liquid, liquid that you're drinking. Yeah. You're, it, there's also like the little bit of oats or whatever in there, and then after that, like I'll take a break, probably pray maghrib and everything, and then come back in and then have everything. So usually just um, soup or um, lentil soup or or chicken soup with um, some fruits, and then break, pray salah. And then come back and dig in. Inshallah. Who did take mm-hmm. take the floor? Yeah. So for me, I, I like we had the marak, right? And for my mom, her the marak always had like chicken in it. So it has to have some sort of meat, um, and, yeah. like large mm-hmm. chunks too. And she'll always come back and make sure that you've had all the chunks. Um, but yeah. uh, also in addition to that, like I don't know, this is where the really dicey stuff comes in. We'd have a lot of labaniya. Do you guys know what labaniya is? No, I know what Lebanese is custard. Oh, yeah, it's custard. Oh God, that's my favorite food. Lebanese in Ramadan just hits different, you know. It's essentially just pure sugar, 
with a bit of ahana in it, but, yeah. <laughs> but that's it. And then we'd have sambusa. Yeah. So making the the move over to having like sniro, like bio and tamar. And then getting up and going yeah. to pray was so, so difficult for us because we're like, there's everything on the table. How dare you tell us we can't have our libani and our sambusa? But <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. But, you know, we all have our vices, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. For sure, for yes. sure, for sure. 100%. No, no. Listen, uh, we do. <laughs> for sure. We're a Sahra, what about you? For me, every every Ramadan without a fail, we always have mishari or soup. Mm-hmm. It's usually, it's more like it's mishari. Wamshari to break the fast with, and and dates, and then qara. Qara has to be on the table. I don't know what it is. It has to be a big chunk of qara on the table. Damn. You know what qara mm. is, right? Uh, we call it hab hab hab. Yeah. Mashallah. That's good. And hab hab has a lot of water too, as you know. So yeah. it's amazing. The problem is when we get back from salala, that's the issue. You know? <laughs> and I think my family, the problem is we don't eat a lot like when we break our fast. It's just like we have it like throughout the day, you know, like that's good. Have like sambus, maybe somebody mm, something like that. But then we just save it up and we just like eat it a little bit later. And a lot of desserts, though. I feel like Ramadan is the the, the month of desserts. On top of that, <laughs> everybody's out here whipping up new des- like Oreo truffles and like cheesecakes you haven't seen. Yeah, so like when when you said spread it out, usually like. The, the soup and the snacks a little bit, like the appetizer bits are like from uh, breaking your fast up until Isha. And then we go, usually go for tarawih. And then I almost always eat like the bris or basta after tarawih. Mashallah. Mm. That's not bad. Because I can't, I can't do tarawih uh, with a full stomach. I'll die. <laughs> and, and I get that. And you know what? Like this is so important because for for most people, they, they don't do that. What they'll do is they'll, they'll chug down everything that they need, that they want to have before tarawih mm. and they won't eat slowly. And then they'll be unable to focus on salah, which is upsetting. Yeah. And like, I, I can't tell you how many times, like you've seen that person who in the community who you know is young and doesn't have arthritis or knee problems. And yet they're praying tarawih on a chair. You know what I mean? Yes, that's <laughs> like, me. <laughs> so, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes, you know, I can't. You know, the bees start cracking and shit. Well, I, I know. I'll just look at you like disrespect. The, like, like, the judgment. Look at the, you, like, you girl. Oh, I know. Girl, and you have to like make up some oh, fake injury, God. you know, because you're like, oh, like just mata. I'm not feeling too well. You know, like some, I had some issues kick again. Right. So just listen to Anosha that. Um, it, like it, you just have to really listen to your stomach and try and figure out like what you can actually eat and what you have room for, right? And if you're uncomfortable, just take a break. I know in our cultures, okay, I'm going to speak for my mom because I don't want to get dragged. But for me growing up, for me growing up, like Hoya's one of her favorite sayings was always like, Allah, Huday, please, on Talada, don't you know there's people back home who are dying and starving? <laughs> like, please finish oh, all okay. of this food, right? And it's always so funny to me because like. I don't know, for me personally, I drank the Kool-Aid. I fully believed it. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is wonderful. The propaganda worked for me. Um, and it was only once I got older and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like I know where it comes from, for sure. Like I understand that it's it's from a place of hamdi and saying, alhamdulillah, ya Rabbi, for giving us this chef. But there also needs to be an understanding of like, you know, like Allah doesn't, exactly, Allah doesn't like excess. Like there's, there's that ayah in the Quran, Allah doesn't like um, people who are excessive when it comes to eating and drinking. So what we should be doing instead is like being mindful of what we actually need and then not buying so much food and then looking at what money we have left and then giving that as sadaqa back home <laughs> so that people can buy food, you know? And like, I don't want to be preachy, 
even though everything I've talked about until now is like kind of preachy, <laughs> but like, but this in particular <laughs> is so important because the reason I call my business Amana Nutrition is because your body is an Amana from Allah. And it's like, you're going to be asked how you take care of it, right? So you have, you have to sure. be very mindful of that kind of stuff. So don't, it, it, you can have six sambusa, but like try and figure out if your body wants it first. Definitely. And like, we, I think we went into a bit about the types of food that we eat, but ideally, like, can you give us some examples about good meals to have at suhoor or um, iftar and like how to break up food over the day? Exactly. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. And it's something that I struggle with most of my life because I sort of just thought to myself, and I think it, it seemed almost like self-explanatory as a young Muslim that like, okay, I have to, I have suhoor and I have my iftar. I'm going to have to jam everything in there. But um, you guys were talking about how in your families, mashallah, you had the understanding that you have this much time, like you have eight hours, space it out. And that's wonderful. So for when I when I see people and I counsel people, I'm like, your suhoor should be a really big a meal, right? And you should be eating like a full meal. Um, have your iftar as a bit of a snack, because that's the sunnah, right? The Prophet would break his fast with like fresh dates. And if that wasn't there, then dry dates. And if that wasn't there, like water. Um, and then he would like go pray, right? So try and follow that sunnah. And then after Maghrib, you can come back with sunnah and you can have like a full meal. And then some people after that, after those three things, the suhoor, the iftar, and the after Maghrib, for some people, they can have a snack in the middle of tarawih. Like they can have a bit, a little yes. bit of something, something when the imam is like, let's take a I break. Do that. Yes. Good. <laughs> That's smart. Like I, I don't know. For yeah. me, I used to hide some snacks in my pocket. I get the, you know those abais that have pockets. Yeah, Oof, those come in handy during Ramadan. Um, and then before bed too. That's a good time to have a snack. For tarawih, okay. do you think like because I've done like a couple like okay protein bars? I would say like during salat because I think some people. Or like some masjid, sometimes like there's an auntie or like a couple people that bring food to the masjid and stuff. Mashallah. But if you would recommend a type of snack, which is more portable, I would say, for salada and all that jazz, what would you recommend? Ooh, okay. So for portable snacks, I think that's actually a really good idea. And you've like completely stolen it from my mouth. Like I was going to say protein bars can be really great because it's, it's the balance of the protein and then it has usually like carbs in there somehow. Like it's usually made with a, a granola and stuff like that. So that's a really good way of doing it. In terms of what's portable, I don't know. Like the thing about tarawih is that ain't nobody judging other people, right? So like I've seen people fully like bring a little egg, like a little container with like <laughs> with like some Greek yogurt and some berries. And they'll just be chomping and then they'll just wipe their mouth with a bit of a, a napkin and then start praying. So I've seen some people do that. If you don't want to take the risk and you're a bit shy, you can go for some veggies and hummus. Like you just got to dip it a bit and then pop it in your mouth. You can go for a bit of a peanut butter sandwich, right? You can go for some nuts and some fruit, right? It all just kind of depends on how shameless you can you could be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's no shame in eating, honestly. Like, we all need it. Why are we being shy about it, you know? So if you can do it, if this is what's going to get you through the next day, take advantage, no, right? you're right. So different meals of the day uh we all have our things that we regularly eat but like what would you recommend like for suhoor specifically or for iftar like what kind of foods would you think would um be good to fortify you during the day so starting off with suhoor possibly okay no that's a good question so um luckily we have 
a lot of, alhamdulillah, like really good meal items in a lot of like non-Western cultures and even Western cultures too. Like, I think we have an understanding of like, okay, it's the foods that are really high in fat or like that are fried or really high in sugar that we should probably stay away from. But in, in regards to suhoor in particular, your focus should be on having as much fluid as possible because you don't want to be dehydrated as the day goes on. You also want a lot of protein because protein is one of those things that it can help you feel full. Uh, and fiber as well. So protein and fiber are two really great things that can help you feel fuller for longer and will keep those feelings of hunger at bay as the day goes on. So aim for complex carbohydrates over simple ones. And that sounds a bit, um, it, it might not be easy to understand, but what my rule of thumb is, if a simple carbohydrate is one that tastes really sweet, right? Or it just goes down really easy. So like um, a cup of milk, has a lot of simple carbohydrates nothing wrong with that but um you should you should have more of the complex stuff instead so complex stuff could be like oats you guys all talked about that mashallah like it seems like you guys have an understanding of that for some people sarrain is a way of getting complex carbs which is like it's like barley i don't know if you guys have had that with sabayad and in particular if you're making it with types of grain whole exactly wheat, yeah. yeah so like whole grains and things like that is really good and then balancing it out with having some protein and some veggies so that works for a lot of people and i don't know if you've noticed but most hoyoyun have this kind of <laughs> suhoor meal anyways yeah. it's yeah. it's for those of us that are a bit younger that might have been exposed to like a western culture that might be looking for easier stuff and i know for me i'm like a really lazy individual astaghfirullah make dua for me everyone <laughs> but, but like I have to I need something that's really quick so for me I go for Greek yogurt with a bit of granola and some some fruit in there I'll have overnight oats or like a smoothie with some protein powder and stuff because that ends up giving me everything I need so that's cool it's funny because I always do and this is a problem because I know it's not good for me but um, I don't like the I don't like oats and qamadi and that kind of stuff and the hoya always has that and my siblings always have that for suhoor so my alternative like with with yogurt or with milk and like a little bit of sugar so what I would do oh, no. <laughs> is replace it with white rice wow Oh, you went there so white rice it tastes so good it tastes so good i love white rice with yogurt a little and bit sankar. of um olive oil and sugar on top sankar on top yes oh, olive oil is it's like, a snack it makes it i know it's, it's not good. good i've tried it before okay it doesn't it, no i mean it's yummy it's delicious but i know it's not beneficial to me it's only gonna give me that <laughs> bit of energy for like two hours and then i'm done it's white rice there's nothing else in it but you know what? And I need to fix up. I need to fix up. But um, what about like, so we talked a bit about different types of snacks during the day. And we talked a little bit about iftar. Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing as well for iftar, like after after praying Salah Maghrib and you have that meal, we're looking at, again, a balanced, you know, half a plate of uh, vegetables, a quarter plate of protein and another quarter plate of like wholemeal yeah. carbohydrates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah? And then the okay. focus for after Maghrib would be because you've been starving. The, the whole day to try and this is where you can have a bit of those simple carbs right because your body is like mm-hmm. yelling feed me feed me and so get stuff that you can digest very quickly as opposed to stuff that takes a lot longer so food eat stuff that takes a lot longer to digest because you're going to fool your body into thinking that you're fuller for longer but after maghrib mm-hmm. your body's been starving so have stuff that digests quickly wow so basta white yeah, rice or, all, yeah, all or of them yogurt, things um, rice thing that you were talking about <laughs> <laughs> Please. I don't need no judgment. I don't need no judgment. 
since there's a lot of like vegetables and in, in that little plate of yours, <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is it possible to put it in a blender or do do we lose all the important factors? Important, I don't know. Nutrients. Good Nutrients. question. There you go. No, good question. You don't use the nutrients per se. The fiber yeah. might go downhill because you're grinding it up, but the nutrients are still there. And I think that's actually a good, it's a good point because that's how, again, like I don't want people to think I'm a hypocrite, but like I always need to find quick and easy ways to do things or else it won't get done. And so for me, mm. and like, it's just everyone laughs at me for this. Like I need to have about two to three bunches of spinach in any smoothie I do. And I make sure it's spinach because spinach has no taste. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Yeah, I always do that Straight too. Like, spinach, if I'm making no a mango no. smoothie, yeah, because no, no, because if you're making like a fruit mm-hmm, smoothie yeah. or a fruit, uh, a fruit juice or whatever, and you're blending it, spinach, like Kuta said, it has literally no mm-hmm. taste. It'll make it green, but there's no flavor. Exactly. And I think Hafsa might remember this from when I was a kid, but I was the pickiest eater at Rudabilla. Like every hoya <laughs> on the street would be like. Like she doesn't eat anything, right? And so I've always been really picky. So the idea of having spinach and stuff like that in smoothies and, and Sahra you were asking what to put in it it's not just straight spinach or I'd kill myself it's like it's spinach with like banana and then my, uh, my husband taught me this he puts like peanut butter because he's a crazy person but it's actually so, like listen guys it's a breakthrough he put no no it's my siblings do that it's really good uh, yeah, am I the last yeah. person that I found this out <laughs> yes I'll look at last peanut butter wave I am. I even put some yeah. protein powder in that, guys. Like, I'm a bit. I'm getting a bit excited, but like, you know, smoothies are where it's at. You know, what? I think I might invest in some protein yeah, powder I'm... at least, like, to put in my drinks or like my food and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the protein that might be powder nice. isn't it like hit or miss? Because I'm trying to get protein powder, protein powder too. Mm-hmm. But it's just like I don't know which one to take. And there's a lot of these flavors: chocolate flavor, strawberry flavor, <laughs> and I'm not even sure you're supposed to take that. You know? I see what you mean. The good thing is that they're usually not flavored with like a lot of sugar. So that's like, it just, it's just really for like, it's just because oof, I have to remember that I'm, I'm a professional. I can't say what I want to say um, as directly, but like some taste oof, really bad, right? Like just by, just plainly so that they have to add this vanilla or this chocolate and stuff, because if, if not, no one's going to buy it. <laughs> so yeah. So don't, don't worry. Just, but it, look at like, get the soy one. Soy is pretty good. Whey can be pretty good too. There's even like pea protein. So, like, any protein can pretty much work. Go to the next section, which is the most important <laughs> section for most of us in this house. Give it like a little preacher, you know? Coffee, you know? Me, personally, I'm a coffee drinker. I like my little latte. I like my little iced coffee. Hafsa, on the other hand, she doesn't even drink any type of co- uh, like caffeine. Nope. Same. Nothing. She just heard her Mountain Dew, and that's it. <laughs> Okay, listen, you didn't have to The exposure, oh my god. (laughs) But it's caffeine though. It's like, it it can insane lean. So, what do you, how do you deal with not being able to drink coffee? I'm not sure if you're a coffee drinker, but like, what, what, what recommendation would you give to others? For like, how to take coffee? Like, how can you deal with your coffee addiction? (laughs) Ooh, she, you said the truth. (laughs) Addiction. It is an addiction. I can't lie. Yeah, um, for me personally, I'm hypersensitive to caffeine and and Hafsa can elaborate on that. But like, basically my hands turn red, I get jittery, I'm bouncing off the walls, even with like a few really? steps. Yeah, I can't. Like there's something, something got messed up in my genetic tree. <laughs> so like, I can't. Ma'abikara at all. Even Shah, like, 
I can make a bomb ass cup of shah, but I can't drink it. Um, what? Yeah, I know. Even like anishah, like with, with milk. Listen. You still I get am... little red and shit. <laughs> I am an embarrassment to my community and my culture. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, at least you react to it. I just don't drink it because I don't like the taste. Oh, whoa. Wow. Look at her, you know? I said it. I said Mashallah. it. Hafsa doesn't bend to peer pressure at all. <laughs> she's like coffee she's like no i don't drink coffee she doesn't care i'm very impressed but for the the rest of the population and civilization that happens to be drinking it like generally yes. just in outside ramadan you're sticking to two to three cups a day is is that what you tend to drink sahara or should i not expose you <laughs> well uh <laughs> i feel like ramadan the thing is you know it's it depends where I'm at. I feel like if I have work the next day, if I have school mm-hmm. the next day, I can't be out here drinking a chug of iced coffee at nine, <laughs> not even nine. Mm-hmm. Break up for a time, like 11, 10, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I can't drink iced coffee at that time, you know, if I have school <laughs> in the morning. So I feel like if I was in the UAE, grab mm-hmm. out here pulling up a Starbucks or Timmy's, <laughs> getting a nice coffee, you know. But... I feel like more maybe like once or once or twice a day. Maybe I will lean towards like maybe like chai lattes or maybe like maybe that's less nice. concentrated coffee, I would say. I like that. Yes. No, that's good. And that that's kind of in line with um, the recommendation. So it seems like you're not going over that three cups of, of, of coffee or shah. And that's great. So because if you go over it, that's when it starts to act like a diuretic. And a diuretic is just basically something that dehydrates you and makes you go to the bathroom more often. Um to, to pee well, i mean coffee can also help you to to go number two but that's another story yeah don't you remind me <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> leading up to ramadan it's like it's different right like right now while we're recording this it's not ramadan yet so sahara has some mm. time to like wean herself off of yeah. the effects of caffeine I, I haven't had my coffee machine in a minute my coffee maker it have it for the past couple months so wow basically it's so sad i have to basically live myself with a little chai latte powder and a little instant coffee because i can't go oh my god the three in one nescafe (laughs) yeah well i'm out here struggling three in one nescafe wow i usually have like a mocha pot you know like a little you know the italian uh, like espresso maker i feel so bad okay we get it you're bougie it's not bougie it's 20 pounds (laughs) don't worry it's not bougie (laughs) but sometimes i get like angry i'm not angry i just get pissed i'm like oh this fucking italians you know They colonized our coffee. country and now this. But they country. didn't even come up with it. They they didn't even come up with it, fam. It's it's. it's I think it's, it's more Yemeni. like habash. Is it Yemen? Or Yemeni, Yemeni or something? It's, Anyways, yeah, actually, it's habashi. But I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's habashi. But um, like okay, so leading up to Ramadan, like wean ourselves down and try to switch to herbal and non-caffeinated exactly. drinks. But in Ramadan, if you can't completely stop it all together, what should you do? What time of the day would be best to drink? Good question. It? So, it it, it really. <sighs> First, okay, it, people, it depends. That's all I want to say. But f- I would say, personally, go for suhoor. Have it at suhoor instead of iftar. Because if you have it at iftar, you're not going to be able to sleep. And it depends. Like, if you're not working and you have the luxury slash ability to be able to be up all night in dua and salah anyways, perhaps having that if that um, that caffeine in the evening might work for you. But for the vast majority of people... If you have it at suhoor and you keep it to less than three cups a day or around two cups a day, A, it's not going to dehydrate you, which is wonderful because we want you to be able to, to not be dehydrated while you're fasting. And B, you'll have a bit of the energy to go through the day. So 
it all depends, but for the most part and for most of us, just have it at Zuhur. Okay. What cool, if we cool. lean towards, you know, gahwa, you know, like Ooh. the Arab coffee? Yeah. The Arab coffee. Because it is not really that high in caffeine, right? Um, if I'm assuming, I don't know. Like, because you know, you know, the cups are a lot smaller. Ha, so I think yeah, you yeah, limit yeah. yourself a lot more. Isn't it? Isn't it like Turkish tea, uh, coffee? It's like yes. very concentrated. It's like a espresso shots. Uh, Turkish coffee is very concentrated. Yeah, it's kind of like buna. Yeah. Like it's very like I don't know if buna is coffee, but I think it's. I think it's also it's like the that. same for um, Arabic tea, Arabic coffee. It's like it's really it's it's really concentrated. It's like black mostly, and it's really concentrated as mm-hmm. well. So no, that makes total sense. Yeah. So in that case, it's it could be a bit dangerous. <laughs> so yeah, try to yeah. limit it as well. But and like I I, I see yeah. how people struggle with like getting rid of caffeine. So if it's already Ramadan, and I think this is gonna go out, this podcast is gonna go out um, during Ramadan. If you're already in Ramadan and you can't wean yourself off, just try to have it to food and not, and have not too much. Mm-hmm. Okay. And last but not least, exercise. <laughs> I mean, I know. I mean, I know, like, when we're told we can't exercise is when we want to exercise the most. <laughs> Everybody right now is running in these streets and become runners during these corona times. All of a sudden, you know, exhibiting these, you know, feats of uh, athleticism. And unfortunately, yes, there is no summer to have a summer body for. <laughs> but some people do exercise. Some people do exercise. So when is the best time during the day in Ramadan to exercise? Is it right after iftar? Is it right before suhoor like when when would you recommend the best time to be so the best time in ramadan would probably be a few hours or like an hour after iftar so that would give your time your body the time to digest all the meals that you're eating and it won't leave you depleted and dehydrated like you would be if you were to have exercise after suhoor and i say this having experienced that because I don't know if half the members this, but do you remember how in Islamic school we'd have basketball tournaments in Ramadan? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's the that okay. was questionable. I didn't understand, but <laughs> exactly a big question mark. However, um, we alhamdulillah, like by the grace of Allah, we had the energy to do it. Was it very good for us though? Mm, I'm gonna leave that to you know. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that to the to, to, to the people running the show. However, it's always best to be working out while you have. The, while you've eaten a few hours beforehand um, and you're, you're going to be able to eat a few hours afterwards, right? If you're going to be working out while you're fasting, you're depleting everything that you have in your body and that's giving you energy. And then on top of that, you won't be able to replenish anything because you're going to be fasting for a bit longer, right? I know some people who go for runs or like do exercise a bit before they break their fast. And that that is, I guess, okay because you're going to be able to eat something right after. But after Sahrod is a big no-no. So I think we kind of covered everything there is to cover about being healthy this Ramadan when it comes to food, exercise, dietary habits, the works. And thank you so much, Huda, for joining us today. Thank it was you. a pleasure having you. Super informative. Jazakallah khair. No, but yeah, I had Jazakallah for having me, you guys, and it's been fun. No problem at all. And you guys, if you want more information or you'd like to get in touch with Huda or maybe you want to see a dietitian, check out her website, amananutrition.com. Huda is also on, and Amana Nutrition are also on Instagram at amana.nutrition. 
and you can find them there. We'll definitely plug this all in into the um, bio of this episode and for those of you who want to find out a bit more. Also, if you want to get in touch with us or if you have any questions for us, you can or you want to talk about your dietary habits. What do you love to do? What do you love to snack on? Do you have any tips and tricks for us this Ramadan? Please feel free to email us at at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram at abwanpodcast. And for those of you who'd like to stay anonymous, the option of Curious Cat is always there. CuriousCat.me forward slash Abwan podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to one or three dates and looking forward to talking to you next week. Bye.